0: Hello and welcome to The Strong Thought and today's episode of The Info Hit. Today will probably be a long episode um, just by looking at my notes here. It'll probably be a longer one, but it's worth it, right? So today we have some important topics from Canadian and American politics. The topics include China's threats against against Canada and the two town halls that took place and more. So come with me to get your dose of info. So, yes, as I stated in my introduction, China is trying to bully Canada. Uh, The CCP is trying to bully Canada into submitting under their will, submitting to their every demand, desire, uh, because they feel as if... They can just bully Canada for one reason or another. So just for some background, Justin Trudeau came out and said that China has been using coercive diplomacy and that the releasing of the two Michaels, uh, that being Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, would help to make amends between Canada and China. Uh, Justin Trudeau's official statement reads, We will remain absolutely committed to working with our allies to ensure that China's approach to coercive diplomacy, its arbitrary detention of two Canadian citizens alongside other citizens of of other countries around the world, is not viewed as a successful tactic by them. So this detainment of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor is an obvious retaliation to Canada's detention of Meng Wanzhou. Meng Wanzhou was a executive for Huawei. Huawei is one of the biggest Chinese companies and as you know, or as you should know, the CCP, uh, the Chinese government works very closely with all of it, of the businesses of China, especially the biggest ones. And they have uh, all the businesses have very close ties to the government. <clears throat> so obviously, China wasn't very happy about the detainment of M- M- Meng Wanzhou, who was wanted in America for illegal business dealings with Iran. Uh, she came over to Canada. Uh, the Canadian uh, Canadian police detained her, and she will be um, extradited to America. Kong Piu is the Chinese ambassador for Canada, and he came out and denied the claim that China has been using a course of diplomacy in relation to the arbitrary detentions of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor. China is really trying to have everybody buy their shit that uh, that Michael Kovrig and that Michael Spavor was over there for espionage. That's the I believe that's the charges that um, that were laid against them, which is completely ridiculous. It was obviously just a retaliatory attempt or, or a retaliation for Canada detaining Meng Wanzhou. But regardless, obviously China denies all of their human all the human rights accusations. They say that the Hong Kong protesters are just a bunch of criminals. That's the reason why two million people out of the seven million people in Hong Kong are protesting. They say that they aren't actually putting. Muslims into the Uyghur Muslims into concentration camps. They are. They deny all these human rights accusations. And we cannot believe China when they say that the detention of Michael Kovrig and the detention of Michael Spavor uh, was fine, I guess it was it was it was just violating their human rights. But once again, China, they do not believe in human human rights so china has detained these uh, two canadians on espionage when we really know this is just a retaliatory uh, attempt um a a retaliatory action for canada detaining meng wanzhou who is wanted in america for doing illegal business dealings with iran so as you know america uh they have imposed laws you can't really do business with iran because iran is basically just a a tyranny. There's a lot of tyranny. It's a tyrannical government. And also, they kind of want to build nukes for terrorism. So on the matter of Canada accepting Hong Kong protesters as political refugees seeking asylum, uh, Kong said, and I quote, if the Canadian side really cares about the the stability and the prosperity in Hong Kong and really cares about the good health and safety of those 300,000 Canadian passport holders in Hong Kong and the large number of Canadian companies operating in Hong Kong, you should support those efforts to fight violent crimes. China is openly threatening not just Canada, but its citizens if they accept Hong Kong protesters who are seeking asylum from a tyrannical government. The CCP, they have no business in Hong Kong, but they passed that uh, Securities Act or whatever, and now they get to uh, go in and sweep up Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong protesters, arrest them, and probably send them into the concentration camps that they set the Uyghur Muslims in. Are you seriously telling me that they want Canada to cave in to the to the to, this just tyrannical government's uh, demands? They are suppressing Hong Kong protesters' rights, and you're seriously trying to tell me that they are criminals and that Canada is supposed to treat them like criminals because they say so? No. Justin Trudeau has taken the first step into denouncing China, you know, with that press conference that he did. But now he needs to make big strides into ensuring that the two Michaels come back home safely, and also that we condemn what they are doing, what China is doing in Hong Kong, and what they are doing to the Uyghur-, Uyghur Muslims. This threat to 300,000 Canadians cannot be taken lightly at all. You are threatening the lives of Canadian citizens. So now the Canadian government has to retaliate in some way, shape, or form. We need to kick Kong Piu out of Canada, sanction him, cram down sanctions on a whole bunch of members of the CCP, and make sure to take a strong stance against the CCP since they have threatened Canadians' lives in more than one way. When Kong Piu was asked if this was a threat, Kong Piu responded, interpret that as you will. He, fu- he basically fully admitted that He was threatening the lives of 300,000 Canadians. And at the very least, we need to kick him out of Canada for threatening Canadian lives. And we need to uh, just cram down sanctions on Chinese officials. And we need to make sure that they give back to Canadian citizens who are wrongfully detained. And China has the audacity to do all of this after covering up the virus from the world for multiple weeks and then sending the virus over to us. Absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, Nancy Pelosi has denied a COVID-19 relief bill. And she is definitely just showing, just generally showing signs of losing her mind. Like, she is not with it at all. Nancy Pelosi is not very uh, sharp. Nancy Pelosi, if you don't know already, she is the Speaker of the House. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is the one who is in charge of negotiating for a COVID-19 relief bill with the Trump administration. And Nancy Pelosi, uh, as of recently, has rejected a $1.8 trillion COVID-19 relief bill because she she claims that it's because there weren't certain provisions for health care or child care. But really, it's because she is letting politics get in front of helping those who need it most nancy pelosi is an extreme obviously is obviously a political figure but she puts politics first before the people she values political gain she values making trump look bad more than actually helping those who need it most she values making it look like she's helping those who that need it most rather than actually helping those that need it most over the course of donald trump's presidency he has done a great job actually helping those who need it need most he actually has done a very good job helping getting money into the pockets of those who actually need it the the lower class the lower middle class and the middle class uh, have done well under trump Uh, specifically the middle class with the five five thousand dollar median income uh, household medium income growth and record low black unemployment this is stuff that cannot be understated a lot of A lot of leftists, a lot of progressive, a lot of liberals, they like to say, oh, what has Donald Trump done for the middle class? What has he done for the for the black uh, community? You know, he's just given all these tax cuts for the rich and wealthy and appealing to the rich and wealthy. Well, you know, those tax cuts contributed to five thousand dollar medium income growth for the middle class. That is huge because under Obama, that figure was just one thousand over eight years. Donald Trump was able to do that in three three and a half years. Okay. And black unemployment is at a record low because of these tax cuts. So arguing that Donald Trump hasn't and doesn't do anything for those who need it most is a ridiculous claim. He has done it in the past. And Nancy Pelosi uh, or Donald Trump is trying to Get this COVID-19 relief bill that would provide more aid to those who need it most. But Nancy Pelosi is denying this bill, denies the, denying multiple bills because she is playing politics. Nancy Pelosi's quest for political game political gain may or may not be backfiring on her uh, because this this action by her her denying the COVID-19 relief bill was disliked by everybody. Except for Pelosi, of course. Uh, Andrew Yang, he said in a tweet, "Nancy Pelosi, take this deal. Put politics aside. Aside, people are hurting, which is exactly true." You know, Andrew Yang, he's a Dem- He's a. He was a, one of the Democratic nominees. He obviously had to drop out. He obviously didn't win the nomination. But Andrew Yang, he he's quite the liberal. He's quite the progressive, and he is even saying, "Nancy Pelosi, you got to accept this bill. People are hurting, which is absolutely true." But once again. Pelosi values politics more than actually uh, helping people. Dan Pfeiffer, he is Obama. uh, Dan Pfeiffer was Obama's former senior advisor, as well as he is a co-host of Pod Save America, which is a left-leaning podcast. Uh, Dan Pfeiffer, he said, while there are potential risks, Democrats should aggressively pursue a COVID relief deal with Trump. It's the right thing to do, but the politics can also work in our favor. So, Dan Pfeiffer, you know, he was part of Obama's administration. He knows his shit and he's on Pod Save America. You know, that might not be my favorite podcast because it's left leaning. And I disagree with a lot of the ideas, a lot of the points that they have to say. But even he acknowledges that the politics can work in her favor. The politics can work in Democrats favor. If you actually, you know, get get that relief bill through, put the pressure on the Senate, put the pressure on uh, House Majority Leader or Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, then that, that's pretty good. That's good it'll work in your favor politically, too. You can make the argument that, hey, we actually took action into accepting this relief bill. Uh, and you can make the uh, you can actually make the argument that, yeah, you are actually trying to help Americans lives. But by just doing this, you can't even make the argument that you're trying to help uh, people's lives anymore. This 1.8 trillion dollar bill would have provided another round of stimulus checks the 1000 the 1200 stimulus checks it would have provided more unemployment insurance and it would have given uh local uh lo- local municipalities and it also would have given states funding to deal with this pandemic so yes Pelosi she dropped the ball completely uh by denying by rejecting this COVID-19 relief bill but She put herself into or she digged a ditch for her that was deeper than it already was. Pelosi, she went on CNN for an interview from Wolf Blitzer. Wolf Blitzer is on CNN and there are no conservatives who work for or have ever been on. Well, not have ever been on, but there's no reporters who on, on CNN that are conservatives. They're all liberals. So she goes on Wolf Blitzer and was in utter shock because a CNN anchor wasn't sucking up. Was sucking up to her they, they weren't massaging her clitoris wolf blitzer honestly honestly did a very good job he just stated the facts he stated the obvious that this covid19 relief bill would have helped many many people with the stimulus checks with the unemployment insurance with the funding for uh local and like, with the state and local funding uh these states and these municipalities that really need the money these people that really need the money and the money that will be uh, be given straight into their hands, these people really need this money, and uh, Wolf basically criticized Nancy Pelosi for rejecting this bill, and all Nancy really could say is that, you don't know the details, man, you ain't got the answer, Sway, you ain't got the answer, Sway, okay, Uh, you know, Andrew Yang, yeah, that's great, you know, Andrew Yang, he, he said that, yeah, you know, Nancy Pelosi, take this deal, put politics aside, we're hurting. Well, he doesn't have the answers. He doesn't know, okay? That bill, it sucked, you know. It's giving money. It's giving out the stimulus checks. It's giving local and state funding. It's giving unemployment insurance. That sucks. We're not actually trying to get, to, we're not actually trying to help the people that need it. You know, because the uh, these Democratic uh, governors, they are locking down their cities and they're not allowing people to get back to work. They're not allowing these business owners to open their businesses again. So these stimulus checks or just any help at all is needed. And Nancy Pelosi is blocking this for the the sake of politics. Wolf Blitzer uh, tried to explain to Nancy Pelosi that this was the case. She just denied, 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 said, you ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. And yeah, she was just going completely off the rails. It was a, it was just ridiculous. And um, yeah, you, were, you tried to deny this bill to play politics. And guess what? It backfired. So moving on from one Democrat to another, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, they love their corruption as well as apparently Twitter. So it has been revealed that Hunter Biden, he used his father's name to gain leverage in business dealings that he was doing in Ukraine with the company Burisma. So it was revealed that Hunter Hunter Biden had Joe Biden meet meet a, a man named Vadim Pozharsky. I don't know. It's a it's a Ukrainian name. It's gonna be hard for me to pronounce it. But uh, Hunter had Joe Biden meet Vadim Pazarskyi. he uh, Vadim is a top executive at Burisma. And uh, they held a meeting and the two uh, and that meeting led to Hunter Biden joining Burisma's board and uh, which led to you know him joining the board. He got a salary of $50,000 a month. I wish I came close to getting $50,000 a month. And I wish my father was Joe Biden so that I can just lobby under his name to get $50,000 a month. Joe Biden, uh, he had the prime minister of uh he had the prime minister of Ukraine his name at the or I'm not sure if he's still the prime minister of Ukraine but our Arsiy Yetsenyuk Arsin our uh he had Yatsin Yatsenyuk fire his prosecutor general Victor Shokin on allegations of corruption Joe Biden you know he bragged about uh getting uh Victor Shokin fired he's like yeah you know that guy was corrupt and guess what I told Arsini, and he listened to me. I got that guy fired. You know, he was just bragging about it openly. Um, It was revealed that Victor, uh, the prosecutor general, was investigating Burisma to potentially press charges uh, on Burisma and potentially even Hunter Biden, which is very, very scandalous. I mean, you are using your position as the vice president to potentially have your son avoid charges under Ukrainian law. That is really, really corrupt. You know, it's corrupt to for Hunter and Joe to, you know, for Joe to have his son use his name to gain leverage in business dealings. But it is, I would say, much, much worse that Joe Biden had Viktor Shokin fired because he was investigating uh Barisma and potentially was going to press charges on Hunter. This was all revealed from emails on Hunter Bu- Hunter Biden's old Macbooks that he left at a repair shop and the shop owner uh, found the information on his laptop. He downloaded the information uh onto he copied all the information on his hard drive onto a separate hard drive and he gave uh, the laptop into the FBI uh who also made their uh, uh their own copies on this hard drive it was also there was also um a footage or pictures of uh, Hunter Biden smoking crack and having sex with women uh you know Hunter Biden he's had problems with drugs in the past and it's not exactly it, it's not exactly surprising that there would be footage of him smoking crack and uh it's not it's surprising that he would leave and forget his MacBook at a repair shop for water damage, you know, uh, because he was probably high on crack. So this story on its own is a very, very big deal. It shows that the Biden family is just corrupt. They use their political positions uh, the for business gain, to for business le- leverage in international affairs. But what's even or just was just as worst is that when this story broke so the New York Post they're the ones who received the emails they received all the information uh, and they they're one who they're the ones who broke the story when this story broke Twitter uh, was quick to censor the story by suspending accounts uh, who tweeted out the story and having the just the URL of uh, the link to the story not or the link to the website not work at all so what Twitter is now censoring information. Uh, uh, Twitter is doing the do- is doing the doings, doing the bidding of Biden's administration. Twitter has suspended many people's accounts, including the New York Post Twitter account. They suspended Sebastian Gorka's account. They suspended the Trump campaign Twitter account, and they suspended the White House press secretary Kaylee Mckinney uh, Mckinna. She, uh, she her Twitter account also got suspended. And this is all for uh, tweeting out this New York Post article. Wow. Just what's the grave crime of sharing information that goes against Joe Biden or that might might be uh, used against Joe Biden. And mind you, uh, during the town, hall, during the Joe Biden's town hall, this topic was never brought up, but I'll talk about that later on. But right now, let's continue on with uh, this censorship story. So the reasoning that Twitter gave is because they believe that the story was unsafe and that the story contained hacked materials. In what way, shape or form is this story unsafe? The only way you can say the story is unsafe is that it's unsafe for campaigns, Biden for election or Biden's campaign for election. It's unsafe to smoke crack i don't know this is not a unsafe story it's not like uh, it's it's just very derogatory or very egregious in any in in nature it's not uh they said that the, there was hacked materials uh the story the story contained hacked materials first of all there is no hacked materials contained in the story hunter biden was an idiot he left his laptop at a repair shop the the information on the laptop wasn't hacked They just went on the hard drive and they pulled the information. The the FBI was given the original laptop and they were given all the information on the laptop. And the shop owner made a copy of what was on the hard drive and gave that information to the New York Post. There was no hacked materials. You could say that maybe we we, I I don't know how Trump's tax returns were, um, how the New York Times got Trump's tax returns. But you could argue that that was hacked. Materials you can uh, argue that the Access Hollywood tape um, that was that was revealed in 2016 you could say that you could say that was hacked materials but these the New York Times uh, story about Trump's tax returns and also the Access Hollywood tape uh, of Trump these were all these were all hacked materials but Twitter allowed allow these stories, allow like these clips or whatever, to be shared around, uh, around their site, no problem. But when it pertains to Joe Biden, when it pertains to the Democratic candidate, we have to white knight for him. We have to protect him from criticism. We have to protect him from a corruption scandal. So the GOP House Judiciary uh, tried a workaround for getting this story up. The House Judiciary, they put the story up on their website, which is an official government website. So keep that in mind. The House Judiciary, they put up the story on their website, and they promoted the story on Twitter uh, from their website. And guess what? Twitter blocked it too. Twitter blocked it again. Twitter is now not only blocking, uh, just in- trampling on the, fr- the rights of the press. They're trampling on the, freedom of the-, the rights of freedom of the press. But now they're blocking information from the government because they don't like it. Like it or not, people have certain rights, certain unalienable rights. And just because you're a company, just because people are posting on your platform, a social platform, it doesn't mean that you should be able to trample on people's rights. Now, this is suppression, uh, this is suppression of freedom of speech. This is suppression of freedom of the press. And this must be stopped. Uh, a lot of people are. Is, a lot of people are saying you repeal Section Thirty of the CDA, the Communication Decency Act, which basically allowed for the internet to flourish in its early days. But we're not in the early days uh, of the internet anymore. This is twenty twenty. This was passed in I believe nineteen ninety nine. Uh, Section Thirty basically uh, the the functionality of Section Thirty is that companies wouldn't be they, they wouldn't be responsible. For people posting negative or hateful things in their comment sections, uh, it's still allowed. Uh, like sites like Twitter or just any website where there's a comment section, they allow them to regulate their comment sections. Uh, While, well, but also not facing any punishment for leaving up any negative things. Like for example, if uh, like I get a death threat on Twitter, um, and Twitter. You know, it starts taking down other things, but they act they or they don't get to taking down that post that they won't get uh, they won't face legal ramification for that. Now people are saying you appeal this because this is this uh, section uh, two thirty of the CDA has basically granted protection for sites like Twitter. Facebook has also been uh, censoring conservative vo- voices, uh, been censoring conservative media. Uh, the Section 230 has basically uh, granted, the, granted them protection uh, from the law, basically. Uh, people are saying repeal Section 230. I don't fully agree with repealing Section 230. I always believe that uh, these social media... I don't believe in regulating these social media companies because I believe government regulation is a slippery slope. I'm a bit of a conservative, but also libertarian. I do not like the idea... Of government regulation, but after seeing this, uh, this whole uh, debacle, this whole fiasco, I tr- I changed my mind. I flip my position. I believe that these social media platforms have to be regulated. Now, there's a few ways you could go about it. Uh, my idea was um, you would I- you implement a law. This is not like a fully concrete thing, but a site would have to qualify to be as a social platform. So for example, uh, a website like Netflix wouldn't qualify as a social platform. Uh, A a website like Amazon wouldn't qualify as a social platform. It's just a online marketplace. But uh, sites like Twitter, like Facebook, like Instagram, I guess even Snapchat would qualify as social platforms. They would have to be uh, or, or TikTok would uh, qualifies as a social platform. There'd have to be a way to r- to write uh, how to define a social platform. We'd have to define uh, a social platform. And after we define what qualifies as a social platform, uh, if you if your site qualifies as a social platform, they uh, they would be able to take down posts that con- constitute as libel or that instigate any sort of crime. Like for example, Twitter would be able to take down posts uh, saying that uh, Noah, uh, Noah, my name is Noah. They say, Noah, he is, um, he's a rapist. That would be libelist. And Twitter would be able to take that down. Also, uh, Twitter would be able to take down, say, oh, go out and kill Noah. Or Noah is a filthy N-word and he deserves to die. Um, that should also be taken down. Because it's violating the law, so anything libelous or anything that violates the law, or even like any pornography on a non-pornographic site, uh, should the, these social platforms should be able to take them down. But other than that, they shouldn't be able to. Uh, they they shouldn't be able to trample other people's rights, as we are seeing uh, with the New York Post and with the the, the re I guess the reposting of the, the House Judiciary story. We, the, these social platforms Shouldn't be exempt From the law uh, They shouldn't be exempt from, Or they shouldn't be able To trample on People's constitutional rights They should face Some responsibility They should face some Repercussions From this I know that Jack Dorsey And I believe even Mark Zuckerberg uh, They're being called To the Senate And they're going to Probably have to Testify uh, against the In the Senate Right But I just believe that there needs to be a reformatting of the CDA and this cannot happen again twitter is just just egregious egregious bias to 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 protect joe biden from the scandal and also just the scandal itself joe and hunter biden you are corrupt don't do that i mean you really trust this guy to be the president come on speaking of corruption the canadian liberals are doing everything they can avoid responsibility for their own corruption now they have been the liberal party is the most corrupt party in canada we know this already but what instance of corruption are we talking about we are once again talking about the we charity scandal i've talked about the we charity scandal last week maybe even i talked about it the week before but this is a very important thing. And the liberals are just trying to sk- skirt past this like nothing happened. So Justin Trudeau and the liberals, they were being investigated by four different committees, four different parliamentary committees about relating to the We Charity scandal. And and then they proroged government. Uh, government went away for just over a month. And uh, when returning from this prorogation, the liberals expected this whole We Charity scandal to disappear as if this was uh, as if. Like, we were just going to forget about it. Uh, they thought it was going to disappear as if this was maybe the reason for the prorogation. They didn't give an official reason or they didn't actually say their reason for the prorogation. You know, it's implied by the throne speech, but a lot of things can be falsely implied by uh, the throne uh, within the throne speech. But they expected this whole fiasco, this whole corruption scandal to disappear but of course it didn't dis- disappear we're not we don't have the memory of goldfishes okay we actually can remember that we can remember your corruption scandal unlike you mr trudeau so the finance committee is currently investigating the matter and attempting to reveal the redacted portions of the documents that were given to them during the summer so i believe either june or july the finance Committee ordered Trudeau and the Liberals to hand over documents uh, regarding the We Charity scandal. So that means uh, presentations, faxes, just any general documents relating to the granting of uh, or emails and any information regarding the granting of the grant of the student grant of $900 million and also any information regarding Trudeau and his family receiving, you know, the $350,000 over the years uh, of financial incentives from the We Charity, Justin Trudeau is defending the undermining of this committee of the committee meetings by saying that the greater focus is on COVID. Even though he prorogued government, he prorogued Parliament in the middle of the pandemic. Justin Trudeau's uh, basically saying, "Yeah, you know, we we're, we the We Charity thing, it happened. Get over it." He's he's basically saying that you know these concert the opposition mps better stop looking into his corruption scandal because there are more important things that we need to to look at yeah you know we are going through a pandemic but that doesn't mean we just ignore your corruption that doesn't mean we don't finish our investigate the the investigation i mean all, basically, all uh, the majority of the documents that you handed over, they were all filled with black boxes. Pierre Pulivira, he went up and in, uh, in, in front of the press, and he basically showed the press these documents that they were given, and they were just documents full of big black squares. You know, he held up the the papers like, "Look at this, all black through the paper. Look at this, all black through the paper. Look at this, all redacted through the paper." We, you know, we the the. Opposition MPs, the MPs within these committees actually need the proper, proper documentation to investigate this matter. This investigation isn't over and done with. We actually need to come to the bottom of this to come to see what happened. What the hell happened? So Trudeau is mad about these investigations of his corruption scandal and he's defending the undermining of these committee meetings. But the finance committee is still going strong or are they really going strong? because the liberal MPs who are a part of the finance committee are currently filibustering these committee meetings. Uh, the, and the, look, I'm in favor of the filibuster, okay? A lot of, uh, on, on the other side of the border, a lot of Democrats have been saying, oh, we got to pack the courts, that's a whole different thing. But they've also been saying, get rid of the filibuster. Well, I don't I don't agree with getting rid of the filibuster. I believe the filibuster is a great tool for minority governments to prevent a bad bill of getting from getting out, but the filibuster is to prevent bad bills from getting out. It isn't to per, it isn't uh, to instruct ju- uh, obstruct justice. the The purpose of the filibuster isn't to ob- obstruct justice. It isn't to prevent the truth of corruption from getting out. But that is just how the liberal MPs are currently using the filibuster within these committee meetings. If there is nothing wrong with awarding with the massive grants that the federal government awarded the WE Charity, if there's nothing wrong with it, then they would have nothing to hide. They would, they would just want to get these meetings meetings over with. Say, okay, we have nothing to hide. We're not going to filibuster. We're going to get through these meetings. We're going to get the finance committee the documents that they need to conduct an investigation. And if the liberals' hands are truly clean, they would have nothing to hide. They would be willing to get these uh, committee meetings over with. They would be wi- willing to get the investigation over and done with, but obviously... That's not what's happening. They're filibustering and they are obviously hiding something because, you know, it's politics. Liberal MPs are going so far to prevent the investigation from continuing, uh, the investigation of Trudeau from continuing, that Greg Fergus, a liberal MP, uh, he is also the head of the Black Caucus. Greg Fergus is throwing around accusations that opposition MPs are racist. These accusations are based be- are because they would dare to interrupt another Liberal MP, Han Dong. So basically, uh, Greg Fergus, his official statement was, The constant interruptions of, uh, of Han Dong, I know, it's not the intent of my honorable colleagues, but it just reminds me of the microaggressions that a lot of Canadians of color face. I don't hear other members being interrupted. So basically... He thinks that Han Dong is being interrupted because he is Asian. You, he really thinks that the opposition members aren't trying to get the to the, the opposition members aren't trying to get to the bottom of this investigation. No, they are just being racist because they are big bad bullies and they are racist and they shouldn't continue with this investigation. And we're just gonna ign- uh, detract and ignore the real situation, the real problem at hand. You know, this is actually very ironic because they are defending Justin Trudeau. They are accused. They're defending Justin Trudeau by accusing other MPs of racism when Justin Trudeau has repeatedly worn blackface. This is something Greg Fergus should take to greater offense than some MPs talking over other MPs. If, if you were really concerned about racism in Canada, you would be condemning Justin Trudeau. You would not, you would not, do, Justin Tr- you would not do Justin Trudeau's bidding. If you had any, any sort of dignity, you would not be doing Justin Trudeau's bidding by preventing these committee meetings from going along, from pre- preventing these investigations of his corruption from going on. You would actually want to see justice being served to Justin Trudeau because he has done racist things. Now look, I do not take offense to people wearing blackface. I believe that Justin Trudeau did uh, wear blackface out of ignorance. I believe that a lot like Jimmy Kimmel, he wore blackface out of ignorance. I do not believe that Justin Trudeau is a racist. I don't believe that him wearing blackface was a racist thing. But if Greg Fergus is so offended by Han Dong being uh, interrupted by opposition MPs, he should be just infinitely more offended by what just Trudeau has done. So Aaron O'Toole is looking to create a special anti-corruption committee, uh, anti-corruption parliamentary committee to investigate the matters so that all of the other committees can focus on the pandemic while they look into the liberal corruption and a vote will be coming soon uh, for the for the formation of this uh, anti-corruption committee obviously justin trudeau is opposing the creation of this anti-corruption committee because the anti-corruption committee will only really be tackling the instances of liberal corruption uh, like the We charity scandal and also other uh matters of liberal corruption uh for example uh, the, the the creation of ventilators uh, the, the federal government gave funding to businesses for the creation of ventilators however these uh, one of the businesses were owned by a former liberal MP that is another uh, instance of just giving financial funding to your friends it would be in the best interest of the NDP to vote uh, vote for the anti-corruption committee it should the, the conservatives, the NDP, the Green Party, La québécois they should all have invested interest in the creation of this anti-corruption committee. They should not, the NDP should not be looking to suck up to Justin Trudeau on this one. They should all have the common interest into getting to the bottom of this liberal corruption. Anyway, uh, moving on from the liberal corruption in Canada, the two town halls on Thursday were both messes in their own way. So Joe Biden and Donald Trump They held their own uh, town halls. They were supposed to be debating, uh, but the presidential debate uh, commission, I believe, or it's either commission or committee, they canceled the debate because Trump had COVID-19, even though he's been testing negative for COVID-19 for, I think, since the weekend, which means that he is not infectious to uh, any other people. But the debate is still canceled to protect Joe Biden. So both NBC and ABC hosted the town halls for the two presidential candidates at the same time, for whatever reason. I think this is a- idiotic to the nth degree. Uh, this, the, the reason why Americans would tune into these town halls is to receive information, to see what Joe Biden's policies are and what his stances are, and for the same thing for Donald Trump. It, they should not be competing... viewership they should not be competing for the attention of the people this was a boneheaded move uh because the purpose of the town halls is for the american people to listen to what the two candidates candidates have to say they shouldn't be having to flip between channels just to hear what both of them are saying anyway i watched both of them uh on youtube they were being live streamed so i watched the trump one first i didn't even watch any of them live I kind of tuned in live, but I kind of like, you know, had to rewind for the Trump town hall. And then after I watched the Joe Biden town hall. And I must say that the Joe Biden town hall was definitely the most boring one. But let's start with the more boring town halls of the two. Joe Biden in in his town hall, he didn't have an amazing night. Uh, This was despite the fact that he was being helped by the moderator and the question givers. So first of all, ABC, they stacked the crowd of supposed undecided, uh, undecided voters. These are the people asking the questions are supposed to be undecided or slightly leaning Biden or slightly leaning Trump. And these questions could, or the answer to their questions could sway on how they vote. But the question givers, they weren't undecided voters, really. You know, ABC, they stacked the crowd with Democrats. One of them was a former Obama speechwriter and another of them, another another one of them was the wife of a state Democrat who failed during the 2018 elections to become a state senator. These are Democrats, or these are people. These are either Democrats or people who have strong relation to Democrats. The wife of a state senator and Obama or Obama's former speechwriter. These aren't what I would call undecided voters. They are very decided, and their questions reflected that. And this is not to mention that the moderator, George Stephanopoulos, was the White House communications director for Bill Clinton. If you read the book, Primary Colors, or even if you watch the movie, Primary Col- Colors, uh, the main character is, uh, is basically the stand-in for George Stephanopoulos, basically the pri- the Primary Colors movie and book. It's about the bill clinton campaign and uh, the main character i forget the main character's name but he was a stand-in for george stephanopoulos george stephanopoulos is a democrat who was playing dress up as a journalist so the odds are completely stacked in joe biden's favor but he he still managed to have a not good night basically he, he still managed to have a crappy night so when Joe Biden was asked on the subject of court packing, he gave a, basically he just gave a shitty answer. He started at, OK, uh, what are you going to do? With court packing, he gave a very roundabout answer, basically saying nothing at the end. We started at the point of not knowing what Joe Biden was going to do with court packing. We went all the way around with Joe Biden's lengthy answer, and we still don't know what Joe Biden is going to do about court packing. You know, he said that he he generally doesn't favor court packing. I mean, if you, uh, I, believe, I forget what year, I believe it's in the 80s and the 90s, Joe Biden was firmly against court packing. Uh, but, you know, back then he wasn't the Democratic nominee to, for the presidency. But regardless, Joe Biden, he basically gave a roundabout answer saying, well, you know, I can't, I don't really favor court packing. But depending on what happens in the uh, Amy Coney Barrett uh, hearings, I will pack the court. But I don't know. I'm going to give an answer to the voters before they vote. I'm going to give an answer before November 3rd, which is uh, Election Day, basically. Um basically the argument he gave was that oh voters will know my position on court packing uh before uh, before they start voting even though the argument to not pass Amy Coney Barrett is because voting has already started Joe Biden you, you yourself said millions of people have already voted why are we uh, putting in a uh, why are you putting in a new uh, Supreme Court justice well, the same argument could be asked, the, uh, asked of you, you know? You know, you didn't, why aren't you giving an answer about packing the court? People are already voting. So also Joe Biden, he responded to a mother of two children. This mother of two children uh, has a, an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Uh, one of them was born a girl. One of them was born a, bo- born a boy. And the boy basically tra- uh, transitioned into a girl. Uh, it was a boy and a girl and a boy dressing up as a girl basically uh the mother asked what will joe biden do for lgbtq rights and joe biden basically said he supports the uh, conversion of minors and that he will allow transgenders back into the military the the quote from joe biden was the idea that an eight-year-old child a 10-year-old child decides you know i want to be transgender that's what i think i'd like to be i'd make my life a lot it'd make my life a lot easier there should be zero discrimination. That was the quote from Joe Biden. He ignores the fact that 80% of children who suffer from gender dysphoria, that's what that is. You know, if you're a guy, and you think you're a girl or vice versa, that is gender dysphoria. He ignores the fact that 80% of children that have gender dysphoria grow out of it later on in life. It is not a good idea to transition your child to cut off or add genitalia because they are more than likely going to grow out of it Children at that age, minors in general, but like at eight or ten years old, at that age they shouldn't be making long-lasting decisions about their sexuality. They they should do that when they're an adult. They shouldn't be doing that as a child. And as a as a as a parent, it is just bad parenting to allow your child to do that. You actually have to speak with your child to let them know that they are not an adult that w- to speak with them what gender dysphoria is, and you should be getting the adequate help that that child needs you know you shouldn't be you shouldn't be just be pushing your child into this transgender community because the jan- transgender community because they believe that it'll lead to a happier life even though the transgender community like for transgender people the people who suffer from gender dysphoria. The attempted suicide rate is 40%. So, no, this doesn't lead to you leading a happier life. This doesn't make your life a lot easier, as Joe Biden would like to say. No, this community has an attempted suicide rate of forty percent. There's obviously something wrong. Gender dysphoria is not a normal, it's not a natural thing, and it's definitely not a thing that you should be putting upon your child. You know, as a as an adult. Do whatever the fuck you want. If you want to change your gender as, as an adult, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Nobody's stopping you. But as a parent, you cannot allow your child to do this. And Joe Biden said he agrees with transitioning child. Do you want a child to take hormone blockers? Are you Do you, really, do you seriously think that's a good idea? It is not a good idea. There is no science to suggest that transitioning children lead to them leading better lives. It just doesn't exist. That's that study. That science. It doesn't exist. So obviously, Joe Biden did not really have a really great outing. But moving on from the Joe Biden town hall, let's talk. Uh, let's go over to the Trump side and the Trump town hall, and uh, let's talk about Savannah Guthrie first. The way Savannah uh, Guthrie or Guthrie. Conducted herself as the moderator was absolutely ridiculous. As a moderator, her role is supposed to be controlling the interaction between the president and the voters is to her, her role is to be pursuing clear answers, which is something George Stephanopoulos didn't do when it came when it came to the court packing question. You know, Joe Biden said he'll he'll let he'll let uh, basically voters know later. George Stephanopoulos basically let off the, the issue, even though he he should have followed up with uh, from Joe Biden's answer. But you know, George Stephanopoulos he's a Democrat, so he let jo- uh, Joe Biden off the loose. But Savannah Guthrie she is a uh, she is a. Very clear anti-Trumper. She's very clearly liberal. And instead of conducting herself as a moderator, she, she basically just debated Trump. For the first third of the program, she decided to ask her own questions. You know, the town the, the hall is so that undecided voters can ask the, the presidential nominee what their position are on a multitude of issues. That is not what happened for the first third of the program. For the first third of the uh, program, Savannah Guthrie, she wanted to elevate... I I, I don't know what her intentions were. I'm not going to question her her intentions. But from what it looked like, she just wanted to elevate her standing, I guess, in in media. And she just wanted to debate Trump. She wanted to... And when uh, voters were asking, or potential voters were asking Donald Trump on certain questions, she just interjected herself whenever she could. Savannah, she went on just ridiculous tirades, like asking if Trump denounces white supremacy. Trump has denounced white supremacy many, many, many times on Donald Trump's campaign. Even before Donald Trump was running for for the presidency, he condemned racism. During Trump's campaign, he condemned racism, he condemned white supremacy, he condemned neo-Nazis uh in 2017 i believe in i think it's charlesville uh when that whole debacle happened he condemned white supremacy he didn't do it right away he didn't do it effectively because that's just donald trump he's not very specific and to the point you know he said you know there are fine people on both sides which is just a ridiculous statement but he ended up correcting himself and he did end up condemning white supremacy in 2019 he was condemning white supremacy uh even during the debate people saying he didn't condemn white supremacy when uh he was asked will you condemn white supremacy he said sure and then the day after he condemned white supremacy and he condemned the proud boys so Donald Trump has done this over and over again with conduct uh, condemning white supremacy but just the liberals, they, they just want to ignore all the instances that he has condemned white supremacy. They just want to push the issue that he has not condemned white supremacy or that he's hesitant to denounce white supremacy, uh, even though it's it, that's just a ridiculous assertion. None of Trump's policies have suggested that he's a white supremacist or that he likes white supremacy. But Savannah Guthrie, she wanted to make a name for herself, so she asked him the question anyway. Uh... You know he, Donald Trump, has denounced white supremacy dozens of times uh, within his lifetime. Uh, Savannah Guthrie also pressed him on the issue of taxes. Uh, Even though you know Donald Trump, many many times has said that the the tax information that the New York Times has put out is simply uh, just not the the whole picture. She uh, pressed pressed him about uh, Trump being in four hundred million dollars in debt. Donald Trump said, "Look, I own a lot of property." Those are mortgages. You know how a mortgage works? That's where you're getting the $400 million, and that's a fraction of my net worth. Uh, also, Savannah Guthrie asked him about QAnon. I thought QAnon was dead, to be honest. I thought people stopped talking about QAnon. I guess not. She had to drag up QAnon. Like, uh, Mr. Trump, will you denounce QAnon? And Trump said, I know nothing about QAnon. Savannah was like, yeah, you do. It's like Trump's like no, I don't know anything about QAnon. I heard they like me, which for, for Donald Trump, if anybody likes him, that is auto- automatically a mark of validity. You know, if if Hitler rose from the dead and said that he liked Donald Trump, even though Hitler wouldn't like Donald Trump because Donald Trump prefers less governmental power. But regardless, if Hitler rose from the dead and said I like Trump, Donald Trump would. You know, and if Donald Trump has asked, do you condemn Hitler? Donald Trump would go, but well, you know, I heard he likes me. You know, that's just the way Donald Trump is. It has to do with his ego. But regardless, uh, QAnon basically, there's a uh, the the theory goes the conspiracy the conspiracy theory goes that uh Demo- the Democrat congressmen and women are all uh, in this big plot of like sex trafficking and whatever and that donald trump is like the savior or whatever and uh because donald trump is the the face of good in the conspiracy in the conspiracy known as QAnon, donald trump didn't directly uh denounce QAnon. rather he just said you know i heard you know you know some things about it but i don't know anything about QAnon. you know it just the way he answered it was not good but also the way savannah guthrie just Pressed him on that single issue, it was a little ridiculous. Like the man said, he didn't know anything about it. Just at least take his word for it. When Donald Trump was actually answering questions from voters, though, he didn't do a bad job. He did he bad job. He did a good enough job. You know, when Donald Trump was talking about healthcare and his plans to get rid of Obamacare, you know, I believe that Donald Trump should have uh, spoke about the fact that he he signed an ev- an executive order uh, to protect. Those are pre-existing conditions, even though it was um, uh, a it was a like uh, not ceremonious, but it was more of a gesture. Executive action signing. Also, uh, Donald Trump he so he pledged that he'll be getting drug prices down eighty to ninety percent. Uh, that is something that he didn't talk about, uh, but I think he should have talked about. But he did a good enough job talking about uh, his healthcare plat his healthcare plans and his plans to get rid of Obamacare. Uh, still while protecting those with pre-existing health conditions. He did a good enough job talking about his immigration policy. And uh, he did a fair enough job talking about his handling of COVID-19. He said, yo, like, look, um, you know, there is predictions that 2.2 million Americans would have died from this coronavirus. And so far, 200,000 Americans died. He said that, you know, one is one too many, which is good. I'm glad that he acknowledged that you know, one American dying is too many Americans dying. But this fact of the matter is that they predicted 2.2 million, only 200,000 has died. Uh, that is a lot less than they predicted, which is a win. Um, and he just talked about how, you know, his travel bans and how Joe Biden said he he's very xenophobic and racist for enacting those travel bans and how Joe Biden probably wouldn't have done very much different. Uh, Joe Biden would have had the, the handling of the coronavirus under Joe Biden would have been very similar, if not worse. And um, in, general, in general, when he was being asked questions from voters, he did a good enough job. He says Savannah Guthrie was being a bitch. Anyway, that is all the topics that I have to today. Today, I talked about China bully, trying to bully Canada. I talked about Nancy Pelosi be just losing it. And also denying the COVID nineteen relief bill. I talked about Joe and Hunter Biden's corruption and Twitter's uh, subsequent corruption. I talked about the liberals' corruption and Justin Trudeau trying to basically trying to undermine the committee meetings. And also I talked about the two town halls that were hosted on Thursday and how they were both messes in their own way. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube, if you're on the podcast, uh, I believe this is the first episode uh, going up on the podcast, um, you know, I have a YouTube version, this, uh, this, in, the info hit is on YouTube, it's on the podcast, uh, and also, I will be having a special video, uh, it will be YouTube exclusive, uh, that'll be coming out, uh, shortly, so, I hope you do not miss out on that, so, yeah, thank you for, uh, watching or listening this episode of the info hit, and, um, hopefully, you subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, tune in for the next podcast, And uh, I'm out.